Welcome to the How to Find Joy podcast. If you are currently feeling unhappy, overwhelmed, stuck in a rut, or simply need a boost of hope, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, June Supunpuk, also known as Joy Guy June, and I'm here to give you honest conversations on how to find joy through this messy thing called life. My intention is to share practical tips on how to get back on the path towards joy, show you examples of what that could look like for you, and help you feel more inspired and connected to your own definition of success, power, and true happiness. If you're ready to learn what's possible, the How to Find Joy podcast is here for you. So let's get this pot started. Woohoo! Okay, here's the scenario. You were bothered, frustrated, annoyed, angry, or simply plain old triggered by what someone just said or how someone treated you, and you want to say something superbly to them, and then what happens? Nothing. No words come out. Your mind goes blank. Maybe you're like me, and you start to sweat, and your body has a silent meltdown, but you are paralyzed and have no idea how to communicate what just happened to you. Well, if this resonates, you're going to want to listen to this episode, because our guest today is going to help us find the words and teach us how to be honest with others, but most importantly, she is going to teach us how to get honest with ourselves. And she's got so much wisdom and even a wonderful tool to help us all learn how to set boundaries, speak up for ourselves, and become better listeners and communicators so we can find more joy in our relationships. Yay! So without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Amber Elright. Amber is a communication expert and founder of Words Well Said, a personal development company that helps organizations do a better job at making their people feel seen, heard, and valued. And that is totally what I love doing in my life too, as a joy guide. And for her as an executive coach and speaker, she guides leaders towards expressing their highest selves with confidence and with grace. And her popular TEDx talk is entitled, Ask Better Questions to Build Better Connections has inspired people all over the world to become stronger communicators in their everyday lives. And she's been mentioned in Fast Company, Essence, and Mashable, and is currently pursuing a doctorate of education in organizational change and leadership at the University of Southern California. And today, naturally, because of all of these things, our episode is called How to Find Joy Through Honest conversations. Thank you, Amber, for being here. Hi. Hi. So what is your definition of joy, Amber? My definition of joy is when I smile so hard, my cheeks hurt. Yeah. And there's just that nameless energy that feels your body and it can come through so many different channels but you just right. you feel it it's almost like you know how they say you're vibrating <laughs> you you uh you feel it throughout your your body there's just positivity kind of flowing through you but when I smile so hard my cheeks hurt that's when I'm like oh this feels so good and what is bringing you joy these days is it a tv show a ritual is there anything specific for you wow I would say rest oh because I, as a high achiever, am not prone to resting. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I'm learning how to rest for the actual sake of rest and to just sit down. 
Mm, so important. <laughs> and that is funneling joy in my life because that means I'm doing puzzles like word search puzzles or those seek and find puzzles on my iPad with my seven year old. Like we'll sit oh. together and search and find things. The other night we sat on the floor and played cards and she doesn't really know how to play. We just play memory with the stack of playing oh, cards. I love it. Yes. But it's those that comes from rest. And so that's what's bringing me joy right now. Yeah. Well, I suspect my audience is a lot of beginners mm -hmm. and a lot of us are not amazing at communicating. Um, we might have the gift of being naturally socially awkward <laughs> <laughs> and the gift of gab is not our thing. So, you know, you talk about asking better questions mm -hmm. and really inspiring us to think about questions and questioning. Yeah. But for somebody who feels so awkward, even in communicating, where do we even begin? And why is it even important to ask better questions? I think that it is important to ask better questions because that's really one of the best ways that we can practice our communication skills. Communication is something that we all have to do, but we're all not necessarily good at it. One, right. and two, we all don't quite know where to go to get help to be better at it. It's do I read a book or do I only respond to the feedback people are giving? me? Am right. I open to yes. that route to that feedback? How am I as a listener and so forth? And I believe that the quality of our lives is influenced by our ability to communicate with confidence and with clarity. I always say that mm -hmm. the quality of your life is influenced mm -hmm. by your ability to speak with confidence and clarity or communicate with confidence and clarity. So then a, a pathway to being better at that is starting with practicing uh, asking better questions. And I frame that as a question is, how are you today? A better question is, what was the best part of your day today? And I framed this story in my TEDx talk of the same title because that second question gets to the same heart of the matter, but it just takes a different path because now it engages the other person for them to have to actually think about their day. And then when they reflect on it and it's like, oh, you know what? The best part of my day has been blank. And you almost inevitably see them smile as a result. So now right. we can have a, a, a connection there and see where the conversation takes us from there. And I, so I, the idea of asking better questions for me is just about being more thoughtful mm -hmm. and intentional with how we communicate with other people and with the thoughtfulness and the intention behind it is specificity key at all because i i know that in the past if i've felt awkward about asking a question and i end up asking a yes no response type question mm -hmm. the conversation is real quick yeah. <laughs> it ends it could end real quick so you are asking a thoughtful question how do we keep from making it a very short conversation is it follow-up questions like what do we do oh yeah follow-up questions are really helpful as a coach one of the things that we we know to do and that we are, we're trained to do is to ask and what else? Oh, that's a good one. And that's just a, a quick follow-up question that no matter the scenario can really help you pull that some of that additional information out. Or I like to say, tell me more about that. So if I'm talking to someone and they say, oh, you know, I'm not doing well, tell me more about why you feel that way. Oh, that's so caring. <laughs> yeah. So, so if that, having a follow-up question, it's, it's not about being nosy or intrusive. It's just to be caring and to be to be thoughtful. And I think that there's a lot of room for us to to practice that, even if we're awkward, even if we're socially awkward, even if we lean toward introversion. I think that there's always this opportunity to say 
how can I connect with this person in a thoughtful way as opposed right. to really centering it a- around ourselves and saying like, oh, they're going to reject me or they're not going to like me or what have mm-hmm. you. It helps you mm-hmm. get out of your head a little bit so that you can speak from the heart, which isn't easy. I will acknowledge that it's not as simple as it sounds, right. but it's an yeah. activity that is worth the effort because you can see how it can shift your relationship dynamic. So in a lot of ways, you're also an advocate of like deepening relationships and intimacy, maybe? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in communication is a pathway for that because every relationship begins or ends with a conversation or without a conversation sometimes. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. I feel that intimacy can be very scary, Mm -hmm. especially if you weren't raised in a family that was inquisitive or asked how you were or feelings were repressed. Mm -hmm. And so when you're being asked a question, like you were mentioning earlier, can feel direct or intrusive, uh, nosy. How do you become, Amber, more open to receiving questions? Because sometimes you get so sweaty and nervous, you're like, oh God, what am I going to say? Like, how, mm-hmm. how do you make the leap to get over that and become more open to receiving the question? I think the first step to that is figuring out where that anxiety comes from. And that's a self-awareness thing. Why do I respond this way? Why am I so wound up? Why do my palms sweat? What am I afraid of really? What's keeping me from asking this person on the date or whatever? (laughs) Um, Asking for the raise at work. What is the root cause or the source of that energy coming from? Mm -hmm. And that's going to introduce you to a whole new (laughs) task of things. Treasure chest. Correct. Pandora's box. (laughs) (laughs) To investigate. That is, um, I won't say it's a requirement, but it's very, very helpful if you are trying to be better at engaging with other people. So understanding why I'm showing up that way or why Mm -hmm. I'm responding that way first helps me to learn what I need to learn so that I can behave differently the next time. And what are the most common grievances do you hear from your clients about learning to communicate? It's one of those things where, again, everyone has to do it, but we're all not necessarily good at it. And we can get through, particularly professionals, like we can get through our whole careers without ever being accountable for our communication skills. Honestly, June, is that it just comes down to a fear of judgment. So I was a professor for eight years and, you know, I taught courses in public speaking and interpersonal communication. And almost always, whenever there was time to give a speech or to do a a group presentation even, the real question is, do I really want these people to see me? Like, why would I volunteer for these people to act? actually see me and or judge me. They're going to judge me for how I look, what I'm wearing, how I sound, if I'm articulate enough, if I'm smart enough. And so public speaking activates a lot of insecurities all at once, which is why people are like, oh, I hate public speaking. I have a fear. There are nightmares that are made of this. All it is is a skill just like anything else, like learning a different language, learning how to swim, ride a bike. It just takes consistent effort if you want to be good at it. So I think consistently, no matter what the person does for a living or how they find me or where they come to me. Well, I mean, most of my coaching clients are high achieving women. So there's Mm -hmm. that, but it almost always comes down to some type of fear of being judged or some some form of insecurity that has to get addressed first before we can help prepare you for the job interview that you're going up for or the media appearance that you're preparing for whatever the case may be and it's very uncomfortable to do that work it requires a level of vulnerability that most people shy away from which is why 
it's so difficult because it requires more of us emotionally than sometimes we feel ready for. But there really is not any other path or vehicle to making the shift until you are more self-aware. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and I can hear people being like, it's so challenging, Amber, though. This yeah. is this is the vulnerability part, the being seen, the, the being heard. If you're not used to using your voice in your mm -hmm. personal experience, in being seen and heard and advocating for others to be seen and heard, what are the benefits at the end of the day of doing that? Why it's worth it is so that you can spend more time being yourself as mm -hmm. opposed to being some form or a version of what you think people think that you should be or whatever you've told yourself that you're supposed to be in order to be in whatever environment that you're in. I really love who I am. While it took some time for me to get to know myself <laughs> and a lot of therapy yeah. and unpacking my life's journey, <laughs> that's the other thing too. We don't really process our lived experiences enough. We don't process our lives. We just get through the thing and then we move on to the next thing. And why I think it's it's worth it is just why wouldn't you want to spend more time being who you are exactly mm -hmm. as you are and then why would you want to rob somebody else of the opportunity to experience that mm, oh I never thought of it that way I never thought of it that way so can you tell me more Amber about that <laughs> <laughs> well it's like this I think that we live in a time now more than ever where people are craving you know authenticity is such a buzzword these days I but know. it's true I mean people yeah. what, is, but what does it mean to be your authentic self and you don't know that if you don't know yourself which is why it always comes back <laughs> to the same thing you don't know what it means to be authentically you if you've spent your whole life people pleasing and or doing what again you think other people expected you to do mm -hmm. so when I was teaching for all those years I learned very early on it didn't serve my students nor did it serve me to be some different version of my myself to ascribe to whatever idea I thought a professor should be or they thought a professor should be. I was just Amber. Yeah. And I would tell them that the only difference between me and you is that I have the degree to teach this job. So I taught college. So my name is on the syllabus and not yours. But Apart from that, I'm just a person just like you are. And so me being able to stand in what I like to call your authentic authority, meaning I have the authority to be here because I'm qualified and I'm trained and I'm called and I'm capable to do this. The power dynamic is already established here because it's my class. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to fight you for that because it's already it's already here. What we can do now, though, is I can just meet you at the point of your humanity. So mm -hmm. respect me, respect yourselves and respect each other. I wish all professors and teachers were like that, though, you know. I, yeah. Again, this is a unique quality of you, Amber. Correct. But that's why I'm, you know, grateful to have built a career around this gifting to teach other people how to do the same. Yeah. So the moral to that story and to that example is, again, going back to why it's worth it, is by revealing my humanity to my students, that freed them up to do the same. Now everyone can kind of drop their shoulders a little bit because nobody yes. is here to pretend. But from somebody who has been around people who have strong egos and works in professions that the ego is really present and strong mm. and admired and even exalted when you go to a place where you show your feelings in those professional settings it becomes unprofessional or just not welcomed mm -hmm. what's your opinion about bringing vulnerability about bringing these intimate questions to the workplace um well i mean i i believe that there is such thing as context i mean communication is 
by nature is contextual. Mm -hmm. So I can be my same self, my true self in a variety of different scenarios. But obviously the way that I talk to the president of the company is going to be different than the way that I talk to my homegirl when we're at brunch, you know, like obviously (laughs) it's going to be a little different. And so the, the goal there is to not try and shrink or hide your true self, but to recognize what is the best match or fit for the environment. Quickly, I'll tell a story of when I used to work in corporate America. I had a a colleague who, which I understand now, she was confused by why I was hired because it wasn't really clearly, I guess, explained to her. And she Mm -hmm. felt like she needed to understand more about why I was hired. And so instead of asking the person who hired me about that, she begged, she harassed me about it. And she would always ask me, what do you, what are you here to do? Like, what are you doing? But it was very antagonistic though. Right. And energy was different correct and so i'm like well, it can't be personal because this lady don't know me and i don't know her so this can't be like she got beef with me because i don't even know her right <laughs> yeah. so we yes. go through time at the job and one day she challenged me on something that was really minute and um i asked to speak with her and so we get on the phone well you know on the virtual chat thing and i said I- i'd like to ask you a question of course and she said sure i said do you know that almost every encounter that i've had with you since i've started this job has been you questioning what i'm doing do you realize that and she said no i hadn't realized that and i said okay well i want to affirm for you that that has been my experience Wow. Is it your intention and or was it your intention to make me feel unwelcome as a new team member here? And she said, no, of course not. I said, I didn't think so. But let me explain to you then how your behavior has done exactly that. Wow. Amber, this is such a good example. Yeah. So this is me advocating for myself and also simultaneously holding her accountable for things that she knew she was doing, but wasn't Mm -hmm. used to being accountable for. Mm. And so she's fumbling and stumbling and going all over the place because now she feels pinned up, you know, like, Mm -hmm. oh my God. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, again, I'm not here to antagonize anybody, but I'm here to help you understand how your choices have affected my experience here as a new team member. So if your goal is to make me feel welcome what adjustment do you think needs to happen from this point forward (gasps) oh applause applause (laughs) applause only because okay this is such a complicated situation amber Mm. i mean i just hear so many people being like yes what a great example because of the fact that a confrontation is Mm. so hard so hard then to not only confront with an energy if you also feel like a specific energy is coming at you not to go and match their energy in a lot of ways and Mm -hmm. call them out I guess in a way that would be also disrespectful of them Mm -hmm. that's very challenging but I see the value of just making sure just asking like the value of just wait hold on was this your intention as opposed to you're doing this correct this is how you're making me feel <laughs> That's powerful. And and I'll be clear and say that required some vulnerability on my part as well. But mm-hmm. I don't play that. Like I'm not gonna let you just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna do that. And I let it go on actually for longer than I probably should have. But I wanted to really see what the situation was going to be. Of course you're new and all this, and so she left me alone, <laughs> which was the goal. But I, we were able to have a conversation about it. And to your point, a lot of times we're off. We're just so deathly afraid of having difficult conversations. But there's no growth unless we do. There's no change unless we do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid of that. 
And so if you're a person that's listening, it's like, well, that's good for her. I mean, she's a whole communication expert. And it's like, but yeah, I'm still a person though. And I still had to be in this scenario where I'm like, wait, am I observing this? Is this me projecting? Or is mm-hmm. it really what I think it is? And sometimes you have to kind of make that assessment with them where you're like, no, I think it's a her thing. Mm-hmm. Let's have a conversation about it. So I think it's important to note here as a black woman being in that type of environment or in that type of setting, then you have to be doubly or dually careful Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. then you know they're quick to label you as the angry black woman or what have you but irrespective mm-hmm. of your race or your identity these communication skills apply and so me exactly. just being able to sit her down and say hey girl let me tell you something this ain't this ain't it yeah. <laughs> but to do it in this a way look, that i felt it. yeah <laughs> yeah this ain't how it's gonna go either like but let me tell you how it's gonna go <laughs> right um well, same same energy different package different delivery definitely what is a good question or invitation really mm-hmm. for a hard conversation that you would suggest for anybody who is nervous about beginning that interaction. You know, if you have boundaries to set, if you have feelings and needs and you Mm -hmm. want to start the conversation, what would be a good way to do that? My favorite question is help me understand. Help me understand. You know, Bob, in the meeting earlier, you said this and Mm -hmm. I interpreted that to mean this. I do not want to be wrong in that interpretation or I'm not sure if I'm wrong in that interpretation. Can you help me understand what you meant by that? Oh, I love that. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's so simple. And Bob's going to say, well, this is what I meant. (laughs) Or you are correct or incorrect in your interpretation of what I said. But you're giving him an opportunity to clarify. And if there's a problem, it gives you an opportunity then now to discuss it, but without being so brazenly antagonistic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or jumping to conclusions, right? Such thing as time, place, and manner. Again, because now it's like this, what we call in the, in the field is I conversations or I statements. You're framing yourself to say, I felt this way when you did X thing. So it's instead of you're so this and you always do that. Mm. It's I felt this when you did that. And depending on the context of the relationship, hopefully value how you feel or they're concerned about your feelings and they would want to correct their behavior so you don't feel that way again. And what would you say to the folks out there that Mm -hmm. do not receive this beautiful respect that you clearly know how to give, right? Mm Because that is also a gift that not everybody knows how to give to others. But if they don't receive the response that they were looking for or the validation or the empathy, then what? You have to make an assessment of the circumstance and of the relationship, I think. Really irrespective of the circumstance. I think that it's important for you to be able to say, did I do all I could? could?" Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you keep doing that until you know for sure, yes, I did all that I could do. (laughs) And this person was just not responsive. And then at that point, then you're off the hook because you put the effort in. Now, if you try once and it doesn't work, (laughs) I did it all. I did all I could do. I'm done. It's like, well, I did it. Amber would be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> it might take a little bit of time because again, like I was saying earlier, people don't really know where to go to become better at their communication skills. And most often when they get feedback, it's of the negative. Like, it's not really <laughs> constructive. It's like, you don't listen to me. You're so terrible and all this. So did you do all that you could do? And if you, when you get to that point where you feel like you did, then you can, you can retreat knowing that you tried. Again, it's not always easy. It's going to feel frustrating and becoming better at your communication skills is very similar to being like the only person in your dysfunctional family to go to therapy because then you're realizing (laughs) like everybody here is crazy oh my goodness and now it's 
it's uncomfortable because now you don't even really know how to deal with them or how to engage with them because you're the only one who's actually made the effort to make some of these changes. It's going to feel that way if you try these things. But I also, you know, it always comes down to the question that you ask me, but what if the other person? And then my thing is the only thing that you control in this world is what goes in your mouth and what comes out of it. Like That's yes. it. <laughs> you can't control the weather. You can't yes. control your mama. You, you just can only control what you say and how you're showing up in the energy that you're bringing to a space and beyond that what can you do Mm -hmm. let it go but let it go like Elsa obviously in communication this is a collaboration Mm -hmm. because it takes two people unless you're just sitting in the mirror talking to yourself or in the car talking to yourself which I am guilty of (laughs) same but If you are in collaboration, then, you know, you've mentioned in the TEDx talk that it's important in communication to be an active listener. I'd love for those of us who don't know what active listening is, what is your definition? Active listening is paying attention and showing that you're paying attention. That's really it. And it's much more simple than people make it out to be, but it's not always easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. And it's one of those things, though, again, that it's also worth the effort, though, because of the return that you get back. So what that looks like is I'm making eye contact with you. I'm Mm -hmm. letting you know that you have my undivided attention. That's why people get so angry when other folks are on their cell phone. You're always on your phone. You never pay attention to me. Because what that is, is that's a bid for your attention. And Mm -hmm. I feel like you're rejecting that bid if you're paying more attention to your phone than to me. Mm -hmm. So the way that we show that we are listening is by, again, our nonverbals. It's our eye contact. It's nodding. It's asking questions. It's paraphrasing. So what I heard you say was this. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or it sounds like you're feeling this way. I'm sorry or how can I help you or how can I support you or what have you so it really allows for the interaction to feel thoughtful again yeah (laughs) as opposed to things just going in one ear and out the other because obviously we know that there's a difference between hearing and listening and the difference is the effort it's attuning to or attending to the information that gets channeled across and we are so distracted we're just bombarded by distractions from every area it's not even just our phones it's like when I used to live in LA and you, you know you drive into the city up to 710 there used to be all of these billboards for I'm not gonna plug their company but the Stella Rosa wine oh yeah it's like Stella Rosa <laughs> Stella Rosa Stella Rosa like every billboard the closer you got to that winery was about yes. so those are also messages that we are receiving throughout the day mm-hmm. and it's almost impossible to pay attention to them all so that's why you have to be mindful about the things that you actually do pay attention to and hopefully that starts with the people that you spend time with you know for those people who might have struggles though with listening and communicating honestly I've heard oh well I'm so nervous about continuing the conversation that instead of listening I'm trying to think of the next question I can ask Mm -hmm. what can they do stop stop that that you just have to stop it (laughs) because you know there's this saying of um listen listen to understand not only to reply Ooh, okay yes so the effort is to listen to understand not only to reply so am i listening to this person because i really want to understand what they're saying to me or Mm -hmm. am i just waiting my turn to offer a rebuttal yeah that is a very important differentiation again that judgment thing comes in right Mm -hmm. you're so fearful of being judged or that you don't know what you're going to say that then it becomes all about you and then you forget that you're having this conversation with this other person so it makes sense and I definitely have compassion for it and then also
also it takes effort. And I think that's the biggest thing. The active listening part is being active. (laughs) Everything we're talking about requires effort, June. And that's really why people aren't better at their communication skills because they don't want to do the work. We're tired. We're overstimulated. We're overextending ourselves in so many different ways. But at the end of your life, all you're going to have is what people said about you and how you made them feel. So true. So true. So in your opinion, what are the Mm -hmm. top three pieces of advice you'd give someone who's starting out in communication and how can they make that process more joy filled? That's actually a bit of a difficult question to answer because everyone's lives are different. Everyone's experiences are different. And that impetus or that catalyst that compels them to change their communication skills can mean a variety of different things. Someone getting feedback from their adolescent child versus the spouse who just left them. Mm-hmm. Their that that effort's going to be completely different. So absolutely, I think though, as I said earlier, get to know yourself because the most important relationship that you're going to have is the one that you have with yourself, and that's just true. Period full stop do whatever work you need to do to get to know yourself and understand who you are strong foundation right correct what that does is it facilitates the process of you building language to be able to tell people this is what it's like to experience me that's why personality assessments are so popular things like myers-briggs or human design or even Mm -hmm. our astrology signs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. enneagram even down to those little tests that people take on social media like on facebook or whatever (laughs) or buzzfeed correct it's (laughs) me learn more about myself so then I can tell other people oh this is my love language and this is how I like to be that's why that stuff works because it gives people language so you don't have that language unless you take the time to really get to know yourself so that's the first thing and I really I think that that informs any other choice or behavior afterward so know yourself and endeavor to be thoughtful like I was saying earlier in your communication and that can really reframe a lot of your interactions it's like am I being thoughtful in this response or how, how can I be more thoughtful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in how I respond to people or how I communicate to people? And then the person's going to hear that and say, well, I'm just really direct and people don't know how to deal with that. And it's like, right. is that the true or is there a way for you to be a little softer with your delivery? Because it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's, you know, the whole 80, 20, it's 80% how you say things, 20% of what you actually say. Exactly. So endeavoring just to be thoughtful and then a willingness to listen to understand. I think those three things can kind of carry you through any type of circumstance or context. Thank you. I know that was a really hard question, but you did it. That was incredible. (laughs) That was incredible. And on top of that, you've created a tool Mm -hmm. in order to help people find these moments of softness and practice the vulnerability and connection and getting to know each other. Can you talk more about the Can We Talk cards, which I have mine here? (laughs) Yes, I can. Thank you for asking and for naming it as a tool. So for those listening, I'm the creator of Can We Talk cards and they are 50 questions designed to help you take the guesswork out of small talk so each deck there's five different editions one for couples one for kids one for the office the womanhood edition and the social edition that june has and so they're not new i mean the conversation starters there's nothing new under the sun i don't know that there are very many though that are designed by an actual communication expert someone who's actually studied this work and taught it for 20 years so that is what i think is what makes them 
different because I was thoughtful in the questions that I Absolutely. wrote. I know I looked at them. They're very <laughs> thoughtful. I played with my mom earlier. Oh, yay. And it was really amazing how much we got to know each other, even though, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I've spent my whole lifetime with this person. And yet we've never had a conversation that opened up this avenue before. Mm. And it was really wonderful and touching and also complicated because Mm -hmm. it was like, okay, I can choose to be honest in this conversation. And it made me reevaluate like, wait, am I actually putting a filter on because it's my mom? (laughs) And and it shares with you different dynamics that you might have with the person as well. There you go. See, you did it for me. I don't even have to explain it. Yeah, <laughs> but that was, that's the goal. So framing it as a tool versus a game mm-hmm. is how I like to discuss them because I look at each question in every deck as a tiny little dumbbell to help you strengthen your communication muscle. So when we think about how we can be better at communicating with other people and connecting with them, I made it easier for you to do that by thinking of the questions in advance. And what's beautiful about it is once you ask one or two questions, each one is going to sprout three additional. And then now before you know it, (laughs) you're having a conversation that you didn't even intend to. So I also like to describe them as questions that you are happy to know the answer to, but wouldn't have thought to ask. Now that I've used them, completely Mm -hmm. accurate. (laughs) (laughs) completely accurate and they're non-threatening also so if you use them with your mom why the experience was so refreshing for you is because you didn't try to set her up you didn't come Mm. to her with like mom i need to talk to you about something very serious that's you're like hey i have these little cards and it levels the playing field so now we both can pull one and i don't know what question you're going to pull and you don't know which one i'm going to get and there's that uncertainty of it that can be exciting and i think that's what disarms people and allows them to be more honest in their responses i completely agree because i had plenty of follow up questions for some of them <laughs> yeah. trust and me the goal. <laughs> and it was it was fascinating cuz i was like oh my gosh i'm learning about my mom in this new way through this one question Mm -hmm. And we did go off on tangents for sure. So I'd love to have the audience see or hear what the type of questions might come at them with the the specific card that I have, the social edition. And okay, so I'm going to shuffle and then you're going to answer the question. Let's Let's do it. And my question (laughs) to you, Amber, is what word best describes your perspective on life right now? I would say expectant. Ooh. Not because I'm expecting, because I had no more kids. I'm done. But okay. <laughs> I'm expectant as uh, I, I expect really good things to come to me and those I love this year. Oh, I, that is that your 2023 word of the year? No, actually, my word of the year is commit. I have like a bunch. Normally, I just have one. Yeah. Like 21, the word was ascend. 22, the word was fun. Um, But this year, the word is commit. But the phrase that I set on my birthday in the fall of last year was easeful abundance. Ooh. Because I already feel abundant. I already have an abundant life, but I, I need more ease. So easeful abundance. Mine is aligned action. <laughs> oh, I know. That's good. And then the last question I'll be asking is, what advice would you give your teenage self? Oh, man. I would tell teenage Amber that she's worthy just as she is. Oh, You're worthy God. just as you are, and you don't have to prove that to anybody. Teenage June receives that, Amber. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think all of us could use all of that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On that note, everyone is worthy. Amber and I put a stamp on that. 
Yeah, it's true. You have just shared so much wisdom. How can we find you? Well, first, I want to say thank you for having me again. This was such a seamless conversation. I really enjoyed it. So you're a really good interviewer. So thank oh, you thank for you. that. Thank <laughs> you. I feel um, seen. And you can find the cards at canwetalkcards.com. And you can find me at wordswellsaid.com. All right, folks, you heard it from Amber. And <laughs> have your fun conversations. And I'd love to hear how it went. Thank you again, Amber, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Jim. As always, if you found the How to Find Joy podcast helpful, please be sure to share with your loved ones or leave a review. And if you're looking for more information about each episode, our guest or any resources we mentioned, you can easily find them all below in the show notes. If you'd like more content, you can follow me at Joy Guy June on Instagram, TikTok, and in the near future, YouTube. And if you're ready to tap into your magical gifts and start living your highest potential, you can also do one-on-one private coaching with me. Learn more about my Joy Guidance program on my website at www.joyguidejune.com. See you next Monday.